This episode of the Trek Geeks Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks, and you'll find over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any MP3 player. This is Todd Haberkorn, Mr. Spock on Star Trek Continues, and you're listening to the Trek Geeks Podcast. With Dan Davidson and Bill Smith, let's get ready to podcast! It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It is the Trek Geeks Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to episode 24. I am your co-host, Dan Davidson, and I guess you could say that this is the Mirror Universe edition of the show. Uh, that's right. In preparation for Star Trek Las Vegas, things have been turned completely on its ear here at the Geek Treks Podcast. What's happened? Well, it's something reversed. A reverse universe. Coexisting with ours on another dimensional plane. Everything's reversed. Almost. And that means it is time for me to introduce my wonderful co-host. He's a man, although he shares his name with one superstar, he has always wanted to share it with another. He came this close to changing his name to Engelbert Humperdinck. He is Mr. Bill Smith. And Bill, welcome to the wacky edition of the Geek Treks podcast. Uh, thank you, Dan. It's a joy to be here. I thank you for inviting me. Um, Geek Treks? Geek Treks. Everything's reversed on another dimensional plane, buddy. Your face is reversed. There we go. There it we go. nice and early. <laughs> well, we've got some special things uh, today on the podcast. We've kind of reversed it up in preparation for Vegas. Everything's backwards. I'm going to be the uh, main host, I guess you could say, because you usually are in control of everything. I'm grasping control of it from you for this week. Uh, we're going to talk a couple of things, and then we are going to have my ultimate revenge. Uh. We are going to have Geek the Stump for the first time. That's right, Bill is the stump, and I will be asking him the trivia questions this week, and we are going to see just how difficult it can be for someone without the knowledge that this host holds. Wait, I'm the stump? <laughs> That's all you got out of that entire speech. Yes, actually. It's uh, everything I got out of it. So not only have you called me a stump, apparently I'm an idiot. Okay. Can't wait. Let's do this. I never said that. That You have no proof of me saying that today. <laughs> Aside from the fact that we're recording this entire thing. Exactly, exactly. Well, <clears throat> as we record this, Bill, we are less than one week away from our first trip together to Las Vegas for the Star Trek convention. What do you think about that? I'm thinking I might need to ask for a credit limit so I have enough bail money for when I kill you. <laughs> wow. I mean, hey, buddy, I could not be more jazzed for this trip. Um, we've been talking about it. Um, last year when I was on the trip to Vegas, I go with usually the same group of guys. And I have a countdown app on my Android phone that looks like a big circle and the day ticks off and the circle gets smaller. Yep. And when I started it, it had 367 days on the countdown. We did this sitting at one of the bars at Caesar's Palace one night saying, man, this has been such a great trip. How many days till next year? And as we record this now, on the 1st of August, 2015, there are only five days left on the countdown, which... Nobody can see, but I'm showing it to you on Skype. He's got an awesome picture of Vegas in the background, and indeed it does say five days. 
So 362 days ago, I started that countdown, and in five days, the fun and the excitement and the nonstop action of Las Vegas and the Creation Star Trek convention to 2015 begins. And I, you know I couldn't be happier. That's awesome. But you know what I get? You know what I, I picked out the most out of that, out of what you just told me? Nope. That your math skills have improved because you did the subtraction perfectly. I, um, I set up an algorithm in an Excel <laughs> spreadsheet. Luckily, my wife's an accountant, so I had help. I mean, she's an Excel ninja, and she <laughs> tells me this on a regular basis. Excellent. Um, but yeah, I am, uh, as, as everyone knows who's listened, I had initially not been planning on going, um, but I, I couldn't leave my friend to go by himself. So uh, I'm joining him, and I'm very excited. we got a lot of plans uh, for the trip. Um, preparation has been underway for a long time. Um, we're going to discuss a little bit about the plans, and we're also going to talk about what we're going to be doing for the podcast while we're out there. Um, the, the first thing is that, oh, my God, do we have an early flight. Hey, I chose it for me. <laughs> you know, I, I try not to fly out too early because, you know, my wife and my dog, Abby, will generally have to, to get up at the same time. Yeah. So I haven't quite figured that part out, but, you know, I, you figure our flight is at 530 in the morning, you know, from the East Coast flying to Las Vegas, which means I'm probably going to be at the airport around four, which means I'm probably going to be up around 330. Yeah. Can't wait for I'm... that. That's going to be awesome. And I'm actually I'm actually going to try to get in West Coast mode beforehand. So basically our flight is at 2:30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we're going to get there and we're not going to be like resting or anything. As soon as we get there, we're hitting the 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 whole shebang. So, it's going to be a long day that first day. I figure we're going to check our bags probably with the bellhop. And then we'll head over to the Rio and we'll check yep. in and we'll We'll, you know, take a, a tour of the con and we'll see some things. And yep. um, we have dinner at Gordon Ramsay that night, which I... Oh, the wheel of meat. The wheel of meat. Oh. I, I, I initially had not been thinking about having the Wellington, but you've been talking about it. I've been looking at it on the menu and I might just have to do that. But you have said that I need to leave room for dessert. So I'm really in a quandary. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do. You'll... um. You're going to get there and you're going to throw caution to the wind because that's what I do every year. <laughs> and you're going to say, give me that Wellington and bring it now. And I'll put it like in the, what I don't eat in a baggie and be gnawing on it in the, in the conference center <laughs> the next morning while we're listening to Tim Russ or something like that. It'll be like, ah, like, like Dan Aykroyd in Trading Places when he had that salmon stuck in his beard or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll be sitting there eating a, a filet, you know, in puff pastry, you know. <laughs> The demigloss is really going to be the problem. <laughs> um, but I'm yeah, looking forward to that. We um we you know we meet up with a great group group of guys whom you're going to meet when we get there. Um, some Star Trek fans, some not as big of fans, but they enjoy the convention. Um, they love the people watching because so many people show up in costume. Oh yeah. Um, which it's really fun to see the creative lengths that some folks go to, um, at the con, and I think you're going to be blown away. It's going to be. Ten times bigger than anything you've been to before, quite honestly. Right. I was I was amazed with a lot of the cosplay we saw in Boston, and that was nothing compared to what I've seen and and read about uh, for for Vegas. So I'm I'm looking forward to that to see what it, the thing that's cool about it is. You know, everybody kind of does the snicker if, if you see somebody dressed up in something. Everybody's going to be dressed up, and everybody's accepted, and and it's normal when we're where we're going. So I'm looking forward to that aspect as well. And um. Well, not only that, but, you know, you figure between the dealer's room and the number of guests and the number of panels and the number of things going on in the secondary theater, um, you know, if if you go to the convention and you can't find anything you're interested in, you're just at the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, I would like to point out one negative that I've seen so far in preparation for the uh for the convention, and I'm just going to say, um, hello, Creation Entertainment, can you release the freaking schedule, please? Hello? Yeah, this is part of what they do, and I, I get that there are last-minute changes that occur to the schedule. I get that there's any one of a number of factors. Um, you know, forget the fact that they do this every year, um, but, you know, they assume that people are going to come to the con and stay for the con, I'm sure. 
Yeah. And that's why they released the schedule in this case the day before. Yeah, I, it's I I totally agree with you in that, you know, things are going to change. I mean, look at what's going on in Seattle this weekend with the Galacticon. It's been a complete disaster up there with cancellations left and right and but <clears throat> still, you got this is the biggest convention probably in the world for Trek is next week. People are coming from all over the world. They like to have an idea of what they want to plan and what they want to see and have more than just a couple of hours to schedule it. Well, and if for no other reason that there are a great many people who do multiple different costumes for exactly. the days. Yep. You know, I know Saturday is probably going to be a big Voyager day because of the Voyager 20th, and that's great. You know, but I know several people at the con who make costume changes on the same day. Yeah. Yep. You know, so aside from the fact you want to plan, you know, when you're going to be in the secondary theater or when you might go to the dealer's room or when you know you want to be in the main theater – or maybe when you want to go have lunch. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that's a long day. It's a long day, and it's going to be three days of long days. And it, I would like, you know me, I like to have things, you know, laid out, a plan, what we're going to be doing. Um, I guess that's going to be something we're going to be scrambling on, uh, maybe on the plane. That can be, uh, we'll have a meeting on the plane, Bill. Schedule will be out Wednesday. Uh, let's say um, quarter to six, Thursday morning. Let's you and I have a meeting, and we'll schedule out our uh, our trip to Vegas. How's that sound? That. Oh, wait. No, no, no. no. There's no yes or no. No, no. I, I, have, <laughs> I have necessities here. That's either got to be over coffee or booze, and I'm not sure which yet. How about, how about some coffee with some Baileys in it or okay. something? Okay. Well, I'm you sold. Go. You're all buying. Right. We're all set. I got, I'm buying everything else this trip. I might as well do that, too. I'm glad you've resigned yourself to that fate. <laughs> it just makes it easier. <laughs> yep. Uh, <clears throat> so we got a lot of good. We got a lot of things. Even though we don't have the schedule yet, we do have some things planned. We're gonna have a good time with dinners and and stuff like that. One of the things that I'm excited about doing is, as listeners have know, we had the uh, um, folks from Disruptor Beam on a few weeks ago to talk about the new game Star Trek Timelines, which is going to be coming out at some point. Uh, I've been happy to see that they have released some images of what some of the characters are going to be like. Uh, Seven of Nine was one. Uh, Commander Krug from Star Trek Three is going to be a character you can play. Uh, they released the first image of William Shatner's Captain Kirk, uh, so that looks pretty good. Uh, one of the things I'm very excited about is Friday morning, we're actually going to be at the Disruptor Beam uh, booth to meet the team and uh, have some exclusive looks at what the gameplay is going to be like, and I'm looking forward to that a lot. Yeah, that should be exciting. As somebody who has not as big a gamer as you are, I'm sort of tempering my expectations. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I want to know more, and I think that that's going to be the most exciting part about it. Yeah. You know, the conversation yeah. we had a couple of weeks ago with Tim and, and David was great, and it's got me excited for the game. But, you know, I've been hearing about it for a year now, and the chance to get my hands on it yeah. and maybe even just test drive it a little bit is going to be is going to make all the difference in the world. Yeah, and I think that's what the plan is. They are going to have people actually be able to try it in whatever version it's in. I'm not sure if it's alpha, beta, pre-alpha, pre-beta, where it's at. But to be able to have that hands-on experience to see what we can expect, even if it's just a little bit, uh, is something that will be pretty cool. The other thing that's really cool uh, about um, Star Trek Timelines, for those who may not have heard, is that Q himself, John DeLancey, has signed on to be uh, – someone who is going to market the game and talk about the game. He's actually going to be in Vegas on Sunday when Disruptor Beam is on stage to talk about the game. And that's something that I'm looking forward to as well is, is seeing him uh, on stage because I haven't seen him in years. Plus, it'll be interesting to see how big a role Q plays in the game. Because mm -hmm. you, know, you yep. have to figure if they're going to have him on stage, you know, doing the presentation with them, that, you know, Q has to play some kind of role. Well, I'm sure he will. You know, so yeah. here's here's hoping. I'm kind of yeah. hoping he drifts by the booth while we're there. That would be awesome. But I'm not. That would I'm be not going to count the chickens. Awesome. Yeah, we. Uh, I've been in communication with Disruptor Beam, and and I've actually posed that question, and we can hope. Um, I'd love to be able to uh, to track him down and and uh, get him to maybe uh, come on the uh, Geek Treks podcast or the Trek Geeks podcast, <laughs> since that's the actual. Because <laughs> yeah, it'll be back to normal back then, won't it? <laughs> Yes. All right. We can't keep it like that? No. Okay. Once a year, we can do that, though, right? No. No? Okay. No. All right. Anyway. Well, we got another thing that we have already planned uh, for the trip. It's going to happen multiple times, actually, and I'm going to let you tell everybody what we're going to be doing, where we're going to be doing it, and all that good stuff. I assume you're talking about uh, recreational gameplay. 
Is that correct? Very nice. Very nicely put. I like that. Um, typically, this trip that I go on, I've referred to it as golf trek uh, with my friends, and we do up special shirts and and golf balls for everybody in attendance. Um, this is our fifth annual golf trek. Granted, the first one that you're on, but we're going to be golfing at a at a spot in Las Vegas that actually allows for night golf, as we mentioned. And um, as of right now, we are being joined by uh, the captain of the Enterprise, which I think is great. The one and only uh, Mr. Vic Mignana. Yeah, that's uh, whew, ah, whew. like I said, he's riding in my cart. Called it first. Call it God, no races. <laughs> what? What did you say? <laughs> Called it God, no races. What? Is, I have no idea what that that's, means. That's okay. For people who do know know that I just there's no way that it can't happen now. Because if it doesn't happen, then whoever takes them is going to hell. We're back to my. Needing, I will kill them. <laughs> we're back to my needing bail money. That's right. Yeah, we are. We are really looking forward to it. We're actually going to be playing a few times. We're going to be playing Friday night, I believe, um, before we head over to the screening of the White Iris uh, put on by the Star Trek Continues folks, which we're looking forward to, even though we've seen it like, I don't know how many times, like 20 times already. Well, and it's also Um, put on by TrekMovie.com. Yes. Dr. K is going to be hosting it, actually. Dr. K will be hosting, which is great because she makes an appearance in the in the episode. Yeah, um, absolutely. So one of the good. best bloopers of the entire episode is hers. That's correct. Yeah, and uh, and we're golfing a couple of other times, so you know uh, we may even get some day golf in. Although it's it's going to be hot, but not as hot as it's been in years past, which is nice. Yeah, I took a look at the um, uh, at weather dot com. Nice little plug there. Um, a few days ago, and the temperatures for the times we are out there, the highs are ranging from one hundred and three to one hundred and ten right now. So it's going to be toasty. Yeah, the, a couple of years ago, it was 115 consistently. Wow. And uh, let me tell you, that just sucks the energy right out of you. But at night, it's supposed to get down to a low of 75, which will be great. Nice. Yeah, that'll be good because we are because the two rounds of night golf, that'll be nice. It is a par three course, um, which is probably good for you. Uh, but um, it'll it'll be uh, it'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Actually, I got all my I got all my golf balls uh, from the from the past. Uh, uh, excursions that you've taken uh, i'm going to take them out and i'm going to use those and and uh, i'm looking forward to it man so uh, enough about us and and our our fun and frivolity let's talk about what trek geeks has going on during the convention week and why don't you take us there wow taking over already huh okay here we go anyway <clears throat> yeah we're gonna we we've got some plans every morning um to let you guys know what is going on at the convention, uh, we're planning on actually doing little mini podcasts each morning from Vegas uh, to give you an idea of what's up, what what we did the day before, what we have planned for that day. Um, it should be kind of cool. You got some nice uh, traveling uh, podcast equipment that you're going to be bringing, and uh, we uh, hope that you guys will tune in for the mini podcast every every day to see uh, see how things are going out there. Yeah, we're thinking no more than say fifteen to twenty minutes in length. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there probably will be them uh, Friday morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, and yep. depending on how early we get out of bed to make the airport Monday morning. <laughs> yes, Sunday morning we actually have a, a very early tea time planned, so it may be uh, interesting to see how that podcast goes. Well, if we can record it and and sound sober at night, then that's a possibility too. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a possibility. I don't think that will happen. It might make for an interesting podcast. It would be fun, wouldn't it? Because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, that's our plan. Um, so, you know, people who, who subscribe to the podcast will see those hit their feeds every day. It's not a full hour. It's just a quick recap of the con with some various, you know, information. If we hear any tidbits, yep. um, we'll definitely drop them on those those mini episodes. Um, you know, stay tuned to our social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook uh, you know, at Trek Geeks on Twitter and and Trek Geeks on Facebook, and uh, we'll be sure that you know for for really cool things that we see or hear that we'll definitely let you all know while we're there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, also, we're not correct me if I'm wrong, Bill, but we're not planning on actually doing any podcasting from the Rio. So I would love to be able to snag a, a star here or there and have them come on and do something. But I think the plan is to do it before we actually head out to the convention each morning. So uh, uh, there will be no special guests that we know of at this point uh, for these little mini podcasts. Technically, we can't from the Rio based on rules. Licensing, yeah. Licensing and all that. Um, it, you know, it, when 
you know, even when you do something like get a table in the dealer's room, you have to pay for electricity, you have to pay for internet. Yeah. And those are all services provided by, you know, the local hotel, which is also unionized. Yep. So you can't really circumvent that process, and I get it. So um, I doubt that we'll be recording at the con, um, but I'm not going to never say never. Right. Good idea. I like that. Don't ever say never. 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 Moving on. Okay. So as you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, um, this is the 20th anniversary of Voyager. That's one of the big uh, themes of the convention this year. Um, so I thought it might be a good idea to discuss the most feared and most vicious and scary villain race that the Star Trek University ha- the University universe has ever seen uh, in all of the spinoffs. I'm talking about the Packlids, so let's talk about them. We make things go. <laughs> we are smart. <laughs> and no, everyone knows I'm talking about the Borg. Um, I thought it would be fun to have a discussion about them uh, and what we think of them. And I got a couple special things I wanted to bring up. So uh, um, first of all, Bill, what is your first memory of the Borg? My first memory of the Borg uh, is probably their first appearance in in Q-Who. You know, when the Borg is in engineering and, and scanning the console and Picard and everybody standing back there and you know, the, the Borg is clearly accessing ship's information and ship systems. And Picard says, hey, go take care of that thing. And Worf says, hey, you, yellow shirt guy, go take care of that thing. <laughs> and yellow shirt guy gets his butt kicked. <laughs> That's probably my first memory. Like, you know, instead of everybody just sort of gang tackling the Borg. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, go take care of that. And then Worf says, right. uh, yeah, not me. Yeah. You go do that. I am. I don't actually, in thinking back, I don't actually remember the first time I saw Q Who, although I'm sure I saw it and it's, and it's the first time it was on. My first real memory of, of it was, of course, what I call to be the first real cliffhanger in television history. It was, of course, Best of Both Worlds Part 1. I remember I was at a friend's house and it was the hour before the Best of Both Worlds was going to be on and they were actually showing Q Who, Q Who first. That's like a Dr. Seuss novel right there. Um, but, I remember being so pumped up and, and excited about Best of Both Worlds that I actually left my friend's house with about 20 minutes to go in Q-Who just so that I could get somewhere where I could be by myself to watch every single second of Best of Both Worlds. And that was one of those jaw-dropping moments uh, when he first when Picard first showed up uh, assimilated. That's my first vivid memory. I remember when that cliffhanger aired, I was incensed. <laughs> you know, it it aired and, and Riker says, you know, Mr. Worf, fire. And then, it, you know, the music happens. It's to be continued. And I think I let out an audible scream to the point <laughs> where, you know, my mom in the other room. Yeah, you know, I think I was nine. I was maybe 19 or 20. Uh, my mom in the other room came in to see if I was OK. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a tough one. You know, Patrick Stewart says on uh, I think it's the, the, the TNG Blu-rays. That you know, um, he it ruined various people's summers, and it, it ruined <laughs> yeah. mine. Yep. You know, yep. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And and of course, all the shows after that took that and ran with it because everything now has a cliffhanger at the end of the season, and you have to wait the entire summer to find out what happens. Thanks a lot, Star Trek, for ruining people's summers. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though, one of the greatest moments in television history. I think it's like rated one of the top five moments in television history for any. Um, anything, sci-fi, drama, et cetera, et cetera. I look at it as the moment where TNG finally stepped out of the shadow of the original series. Seasons one and two, uneven at best. They're not terrible. There are some really good Star Trek stories in season one and two. But season three, with the new writing staff and a new look. Yeah, um, the uniform change. The uniform change, but even just the photography, the lighting. Yep. Really kicked it up a notch. In fact, Mission Log is is in the midst of season three right now, um, and I've been listening and following along, going back and rewatching some of the episodes, and it really gets great in season three. You yeah, know, you can tell nice. that they are they're on the move to something phenomenal, and yep. Best of Both Worlds sort of culminates that season by you know showing you know the Borg really are practically unstoppable, and 
it's great storytelling. Yeah, I agree. And the Borg are at that point unstoppable. One of the things I wanted to bring up was um, the physical change that we see in the Borg from the Next Generation series to First Contact. Lots of changes, I think. Um, the the I don't want to call them uniforms. But that's not the word I want. But what what they look like changes dramatically from the TV series to First Contact. But the thing that I find interesting is people can say, well, yeah, they have a bigger budget on First Contact. It's a movie. They can do that. But in Voyager, they look like First Contact Borg. And um, it's always uh, I've always been um, fascinated by what could have caused that physical change from them from a from a show perspective. I don't think there's an in-universe explanation. You know, knowing what I know of you know the way Michael Westmore operated, you know, he would create things for use later on down the road. You know, so when they could spend more money on the Borg, that meant that was the way the Borg looked. Now that was the way yeah. they're supposed to look. Um, TNG, I'm sure, was just all budget because they were redlining that budget the whole way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they used a different kind of budgeting for that show where they could actually borrow money from other episodes. Yeah. But then they'd have to make up for that, you know, on the back end. Right. And I'm sure that that is the reason why the Borg looked the way they looked in TNG. And, you know, it's people could say, yeah, it's budgeting, but I, I think it's, I think really that's the best and only explanation but you figure once it got to the movies and Westmore could do what he wanted to do mm-hmm. you know then they already own the stuff they're right. kind of like the EVA suits in in first contact you saw those pop up in Voyager yep. you know and 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 to some extent Enterprise kind of fed off that a little bit I think the way that those suits looked which is an interesting point the Borg in the Enterprise episode looked like the first contact Borg because technically they were the first contact Borg well well true and if you think about it, I mean, it's it's the same discussion as the Klingons changing their look. Why did they change? Yep. Well, because right. they had the budget to do it the way they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. So. Agreed. Cool. All right. All right. Moving on. All right. Um, I guess one of the most critical questions that we're going to bring up in the Borg discussion today is something that we've talked about time and time again. I think a lot of fans have talked about this. And again, it's not a dig on the writing staff. Well, maybe this is a dig on the writing staff because the cast always did a good job. But this is the writing, in my opinion. I'm going to. I'm just going to bluntly pose the question to you, Bill. How did the galaxy's most feared race ever become a joke by the time Voyager wrapped up? There's two different things, in my opinion. Um, Discovering the ability to negotiate with them. And my favorite two words when describing where the Borg went wrong, partial assimilation. That's, you know, the Borg Borg don't negotiate, period. Yep. You know, they 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 assimilate, they conquer, they um, they take things and adapt them to their own service. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether they're species eight four seven two or not, the Borg aren't about to negotiate with Captain Janeway, right? Um, because they would just take the technology and either run from eight four seven two or use it to fight eight four seven two. Yeah, I don't, I don't look, I don't want this to sound negative towards um, Jerry. Ryan, but do you think that the downfall of the Borg as a menacing race happened as a result of her coming onto the show? Not at all. Okay. I think that it- I, I don't. I don't. That, like I said, that might not sound exactly the way I want it to sound. She did a fan, phenomenal job as as Seven, but it seems that it's when when that negotiation took place with Janeway for for the Borg to have this alliance for for getting past 8472, that's when it all seemed to happen, and it coincides with Jerry Ryan's coming on the show. It does, but they could have picked any one of a 100 different ways to get Seven on board Voyager. I think that having that character was a good thing for the writing on the show. I think it told more interesting stories. Don't get me wrong. I like Kess, but I don't think the writers knew what to do with Kess. Um, you know, she sort of became a, a one note character and there wasn't a whole lot of depth there. And that's got nothing to do with Jennifer Lean's portrayal. It's yep. got everything to do with what they gave her to do. Right. But with seven, it opened up, I think, more options. And especially since they were in the Delta Quadrant, mm-hmm. you know, why not introduce a board character that introduces some tension and introduces some fear. Um, but they didn't necessarily need eight, four, seven, two to get seven on board the ship. They could have discovered, you know, a wrecked cube like, uh, yeah. like, um, I Borg. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree. And again, I don't, I certainly don't want to take anything away from what Jerry did. She was, she was great on the show. It was, it, she was one of the things that really helped, 
Voyager become popular. Um, I'm not sure how popular it was in the scope of other shows. Like TNG always seems to be everyone's favorite, except Deep Space Nine is ours. Um, I don't really ever hear Voyager as being people's favorites, but it certainly was, you know, certain seven seasons of great Star Trek. Um, I've always had a, I've always had more of a problem with, with how the writers would have a great story for 40 minutes of the show. And in the last six minutes, it's like, they were like, Oh crap, we got to wrap this up. Let's finish it. And the story seemed to fall apart more times than not. I think on it's, episodes. I think it's partly a generational thing. I think that people who came into Star Trek on Voyager love it. And I know a yes. lot of those people. My girls are the same. My two yeah. daughters are the exact same same way. And honestly, I, I get why they love it. There are some good stories in Voyager. I mean, you mm-hmm. and I have talked about how I have a hard time getting through the series and still, as yet, have not gotten through the whole series. Yep. But a lot of it has to do with, well, uh, I'm sorry, poor writing. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, granted, some of the writers, I'm sure some of that's, you know, the victimization of rewrites, you know, constant rewrites or, or just ideas that they thought would work and maybe didn't. Mm-hmm. But this whole we go back. I go back to partial assimilation every time. I'm sorry. If you can find a way to defeat the assimilation process, then the Borg are no longer a threat. Yep. Absolutely. And that's what Voyager did. They sort of sawed the Borg off at the knees. One of the things that has always bothered me about how they handle it, especially in the – you haven't seen the final episode, correct? No, I have. Okay. All right. So I can talk about it. Yeah. Is these transwarp hubs. Um, I think that the writing of the of how that actually happens is a horrible factor to the board. Reason being is if they've got these hubs, why do they always only send one ship to yeah. Earth? Yeah. Why not send 20? Because obviously, for whatever reason, one ship wasn't enough. So you would think that the next time they did it at first contact, they would have sent 20 through these hubs. Now, granted, the writing hadn't come up across that they had these hubs. But still, I think the hub was a really bad idea. Um, it was, in my opinion, the crutch to get Voyager home for the final episode. It absolutely was because you figure the hubs – were totally contrary to what Q told Picard mm-hmm. in I and uh, sorry Q who Q who yep you know that you know, you weren't supposed to encounter these people yet but here I am introducing them to you now so you know what you're up against to give you a kick in your complacency yeah you know uh, if the Borg had a trans warp hub why would Q have needed to introduce them sooner right it's and it's you could totally say well they hadn't developed the technology yet but when you look at what the hub looks like uh in that final episode that technology had been around for a long time for them I think. Yeah, they certainly didn't assimilate it from somebody else. No. no. And I don't I don't understand the whole, you know, subspace steel girders uh in the hub type thing. I don't know, it's kind of a joke, but I <laughs> that that was something I never really Oh, let's blow up that section of the hub so that the thing collapses in on itself because there's steel girders and hubs like that. Because we can understand how the hub works without having been inside it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. Oh, well. But anyway, I, you know, again, they, 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 the cast worked with what they were given, and they did a good job of it. But one yeah. of the things that has always bothered me about Voyager is twofold. One, the writing seemed to catch up with itself in a bad way on a lot of episodes. And two, they wussified the Borg, in my opinion, to a point where they became not scary at all anymore. Now, we have to temper this by saying we don't hate Voyager. No, not at all. I oh, know no, it sounds like it, Yeah, but there are some really good stories at the heart of Voyager. I'm just yep. not a, a huge Voyager fan. Yep. Um, I, I think that there, there are many ways in which it could have been a lot better, and I mm-hmm. think that they missed a lot of opportunities with a lot of characters, you know, namely Chakotay. I think Chakotay yep. had you know the, the the potential to be a phenomenal character, and really he wasn't you know Beltran wasn't given much to do period. And I think I think the cast themselves would say that very same thing. They loved being on the show, but there was not that character development that they would have liked. I think Garrett would be a perfect example of that. Yeah, and that's something that we'll want to t- uh, ask him when we have him on the show at some point. Um, is how he feels about how they treated his character and how his character developed and what he thought would have been better for him. Cause I know that he's got opinions on it. Right. No, I, so. I totally agree. Anyway, we digress. We want to stick to the Borg. Um, one of the things that I always found interesting was back when Star Trek, the motion picture was released. V'ger of course was the 
enemy of the movie because there always has to be a bad guy. Um, there was a William Shatner novel that came out years ago called The Return. And in that book, he actually stated that it was the Borg that was the race that reprogrammed Voyager 6 to be V'ger. Um, as a matter of fact, in the book, at one point, Spock is about to be assimilated. And as the uh, assimilation tools are getting right close to him, they pull back. And it turns out that the reason that he didn't get assimilated was because they already thought that he was Borg because he mind-melded with V'ger, saved his life. What are your thoughts on that book, Bill? Because I know you got some thoughts on it. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible story. It is terrible. Now, let's be honest. Shatner's name is on that book, but it was co-written, and I'm using yes. air quotes, yep. with uh, the Reeves Stevenses, uh, yes. Judith and Garfield Judith. Reeves Stevens. Yep. Um, I'm sure that the book was outlined by Shatner. I'm sure it was his story idea, and yep. they probably filled in the gaps because mm-hmm. Shatner doesn't watch Star Trek. Yep, right. Um, my main problem with that is that the Borg don't catch and release. Mm-hmm. If they had encountered Voyager 6, they would have either ignored it because it was inferior technology. Which I would think would have been the, the or, stronger of the two. Or it would become part of the cube. Yep. Um, they're not going to fix it, give it its own identity and make itself aware and then send it on its merry way. It just, it would not happen. And they wouldn't have made it seven AUs in diameter either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it was something incredible inside there generating that power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, right. Um, I I like the I I liked the book because it was something that you didn't expect from Shatner. I mean, there was some cool. I mean that that whole. I remember the scene vividly with Spock about to get assimilated, and then he doesn't. And I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. But you're right. The the Borg would never have done that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I mean, well, let me back up. I love William Shatner. You know, mm-hmm. Captain Kirk was my boyhood hero. Yep. You know, I, I have my photo taken with William Shatner. It's framed in my office. Yeah. You know, um, I don't like those books. Any yep. of his Star Trek books, whether it's, you know, The Return or Preserver or there's another one whose name I always forgot. Spectre. Spectre, that's it. You uh, know why Spectre. I like Spectre? Why? You know why I like Spectre? Because it's Mirror Universe. <laughs> <laughs> there are some great s- scenes in that book, you know, if you play yes. them in your mind. But overall, yep. the book, I don't really dig. Oh, that's cool. No, you can have that. That's fine. That's good. Thanks. It's, I'm just glad that you're reading from time to time. I read those like 20 years ago or whenever <laughs> yeah, they came out, and I think I read your copy. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> well, one other thing I wanted to bring up in regards to the Borg since we're talking about it. I am going to say up front that this has spoiler information in it for people that may read novels. So if you don't want to know about the Borg, I would say – Go do something else for a little while. Um, I wanted to bring up a couple of, of things. We've talked about David Mack and his great storytelling uh, on the podcast before. He actually did a trilogy of books uh, a few years back called Destiny. And in this trilogy, um, the final Borg battle takes place, I guess you could say. Pretty much the, he got permission from uh, the powers that be to kill off the entire race in this in this trilogy. Um so it's it's a very interesting uh, uh, set of books, and for those who who like to read about the Borg, it's it's something that I would recommend. There's it's it gets very complicated at times. It seems very convoluted at times, but as with everything that David Mack does, he ends up he he t- he tells a great story. But one of the things I wanted to bring up was in this series, they actually, or he actually talks about the creation of the race itself and how it happened and it is very ironic how uh how the borg actually became the borg and i would like to uh read a little bit about that and get your thoughts on it bill because it's actually quite uh, a paradox when you think about it okay um basically um in this in this trilogy of books there's a race called the cal i'm gonna mispronounce it it's called i believe it's called the caliar um, and this race is critical in the fight with the Borg, with the Federation, uh, as it is at the time of the novels, which takes place well after Nemesis. It's, 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 it's pretty well into the, into the future of the movies and all of the TV series. During this battle, a group of humans and a Kaliar actually transported, transposed, or however you want to say it, somehow to what I guess could be called 4,000 years in the past, 4,500 years in the past, somewhere along those lines. 
and they are on a marooned planet. I'm going to do this as, as high level as possible. It's much more detailed than this, of course, in the book. But this, these group of humans and this one Callier are on this deserted planet. They're going to die because there's nothing there that, that they can, you know, live off of. And this Callier kind of murders the three humans, if you want to say murders. Um, the best way to say it, I got a little quote here. It says, uh, reduced to a state of pure hunger after murdering the Kalyar compatriots. So I, I take it back. The humans murdered the Kalyar, I guess is the best way to say it. This race kind of possessed the minds and bodies of the humans that were still alive and transformed them into drones. That's how the Borg actually originated. And I'm, I'm describing it horribly, but it's ironic that the first Borg were Federation citizens from the future. It is a really weird time paradox of how the Borg actually came into existence. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, it, it's hard to say. I mean, obviously you've read it and and you know a lot more about it just from hearing it. It, it sounds interesting, but it, it makes me wonder how it's done. Um, you're just going to make me read more books now. Yeah, the, the description. It's. Um, I apologize that the description could not be as uh, could not be clearer, uh, more understanding. But it's very, it's very odd the entire process. I do remember that they're like on this little island. But basically, what happens is this race and these three humans become the first Borg drones, uh, and that it, it's it's funny that humans from the future become the first uh, Borg. I know it's rough because English isn't your first language, so. <laughs> I I get it. It's a translation thing. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Oh boy. There's also a book that has something to do about the Borg Queen and how she becomes a queen, but I haven't read that yet, so I'm not even going to get into that. Don't get me started on the Queen. Yeah, I was that's why I wanted to bring it up because I know you love the Queen. I don't mind the concept of the Queen. Um, but if they had treated it more like bees. Yeah. Um, which we've talked about before, yeah. Cuz I I think I think the Borg are bees and not ants per se. Yep. Um, you know, there's one queen per hive. I think that would have made more sense. And yep. it should, doesn't necessarily have to be the same queen. Yet, I digress. I know that you have greater things on the menu today that you're itching to get to. I do. It is time, folks. This has been... Uh, it, it may be a lifelong desire to finally get to this point. Even though I didn't even know that this show was going to happen a couple years ago, I've been waiting my whole life for today. And I am just thrilled. Uh, it is time... For Geek the Stump. And I'll say, Bill, I will try to go easy on you, big guy. You know the rules. No, go ahead. Go ahead, say something. I don't believe it's the that, last thing you're gonna say in the next few minutes because you're not gonna have an answer for anything. <laughs> it's, a, so. it's, it's the only thing I'm gonna say that I know for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> you know the rules. I am going to ask. Oh, actually, you don't know the rules because the rules in this universe are completely different than the rules for Stump the Geek. No, I the don't rules, think so. The rule. Huh, the rules for Geek the Stump are. It's my rules. And I can ask any question, any number of answers for any question, and there will be a bonus question. Five regular questions, one bonus question, random amount of points. I decided to keep that all the same here in our universe, my universe. How magnanimous of you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I'll, I'll, I had a lot of fun putting these together because I tried to do as easy as I could. But at, the, at some point, I said, you know what? Screw this. I'm, I'm going to do some real good ones. So you're going to get a couple zingers. I'll let you know right now. You know, I don't want to say that you have, you know, a, a photographic memory when it comes to Star Trek. But yours is far – well, I didn't want to say that because that means you can instantly recall. Right. And, and you have to think about things, but you always come up with the answer. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why we play Stump the Geek with you. It's because you retain all these things. I retain higher level things and concepts, and I don't necessarily remember like character names or right. planets oh, or episode you're, titles. You're going to be in trouble then. I am <laughs> screwed. <laughs> I understand that this is just a tool with which to mock me, so mock away, sir. 
All right, then we will get started. Question number one, my good friend. For three points. Oh, thank you. I'm starting big. Yeah. In Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, after McCoy is arrested by Starfleet security, Kirk comes to release him. And when he does, he gives McCoy a shot and tells him what he is suffering from. What was in the hypo, and what was he suffering from? Um, I don't remember what's in the hypo. I know that he tells him he's suffering from a Vulcan mind melt. You can't let there be this much dead air, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, It's not dead air, it's just solid disappointment. I, if you thought, I, this is here's, your problem, not mine. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you how much of a humanitarian I am and how much I care about you. Because unlike you, I will give you partial credit for your answer. You have received partial credit in the past, I have sir. never received partial credit for the points. Oh, no, really? No, 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 no. Really? I don't believe so. You are incorrect. I don't know about that. Episode, the very first Stump the Geek, you got half credit for a question. Did I? Yes, you did. I don't remember that. Okay, yeah. then I take it back. If that's the case, I'll be checking the archives after we're done. So I'm going to give you one and a half points for that. I it was a Vulcan that. mind melt that he was suffering from, and the hypo contained Lexarin. Oh, right. Yeah. See, I yeah. was going to say a Triox compound, but that was a muck time. <laughs> that's right. I'm not giving you credit for that, but I appreciate uh, your knowledge. Why couldn't it have been about a muck time? I'm sorry. Help okay. me, Spook. So you've got one and a half points to start. That is more than I thought you would have at this point. So Woo! congratulations. <laughs> How many fingers Question... am I holding up? <laughs> one? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was doing the Vulcan salute, by the way. <laughs> All right. Question number two. For 1,701 points. Wow, I wonder what that number means. Yeah, uh, you're gonna. I'm gonna actually question you on these on these point choices later. In the Voyager episode, Year of Hell. Okay. The crew is having negotiations with what race when they witness a temporal incursion, which actually wipes the race from existence. And as a part two to that question, what was the name of the race doing the wiping? If you choose to answer that what? question, you can. You don't have to. It's like kind of a little extra. What's with all these multi-part questions? It's my universe, pal. The, the second part is the only part I know. It's the Krenim. Okay. I don't know the other one because, as you know, I haven't seen all of Voyager. So you've immediately set me up to fail. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen Voyager, but you knew the Krenim. I don't recall them being in any That's other That's because series. in the Star Trek... Uh, ah, sta- ah, ah, no, no. Stop. In the Star Trek <laughs> uh, Starship subscription, one of the first ships I got was the Krenim ship. That's why I know it, because it, you, you get a little book and it tells about the ship. So, there. Super fan. 1701. Yeah, what's half of 1701? I don't know. I'm trying to do the division right now. <laughs> Let me know. We'll give you half the points for that one. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> okay, you're going to love this one, bud. Great. Love it. Great. In the inner light from Star Trek The Next Generation, Picard lives the life of another man on the planet Catan, including himself. Name all the members of the family that are seen in that episode. Can't do it. You can't do any of them? Nope. His name? Nope. Oh, man. Waste of air. I told you. There's a reason why we don't play this game with me. I know. It's fun, though. Okay, I will give you the answer. So you get zero points. For well, that. By the way, how many points that was worth. For the previous question, half of 1701 is 850 and a half. 850 and a half. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. So you get a big zero for this one, though. Zero. Cayman was Picard. I've been His to that wife. island. What's that? I've been to that island. Grand Cayman. <laughs> His wife was Aline. Okay. His son, who was actually played by Patrick Stewart's real-life son, was named Bataille, which was named after his best friend on Catan. Okay. His daughter was Maribor. That's a horrible name. What's that? That's a horrible name. Why did they hate her? 
I don't know. But the one I thought that you'd be able to get those four, silly me. The one that I thought you would have a problem with was they actually had Maribor had a grandson who they actually say his name once, and his name was Kami. So, yeah, that's not high level enough, dude. <laughs> Zero. Zero. Yeah, this one, you're not going to. If you didn't get Lexerin, you're not getting this one, but that's okay. Oh, please, regale me. Okay. For 1,071 points, I have a mirror universe question, which is 1701 backwards, in case you're wondering. Uh, I got that. I got that, yeah. You better come up with what half of that is right away. (laughs) We had uh, one of our favorite episodes of the Trek Geeks podcast was having Andy Robinson on the show earlier this year. Uh, It was awesome. But what was not awesome was that he said that he did not like the Mirror Universe. Perhaps it is simple irony that his character Garrick in the Mirror Universe appeared to have been killed in a most unpleasant way. Bill, for 1,071 points, how did he seemingly die? Weren't they going to, like, boil him from the inside or something? I will take that as a correct answer. I, I remember I, that as being part of it. Um, I don't remember the method by which, but I knew that that was the outcome. I was going to be really technical and ask you to tell us what was in the hypo that he was injected with, that he was actually going to originally use on the prisoners uh, from the from our universe. But I will take that they were going to boil him from the inside as a correct answer. Mirror Estri actually injected him with a hypo spray that was filled with Ulkartic virus, which causes internal organs to heat up to the point where the victim literally boils to death. So you got one, man. You got full credit on that one. Great. I decided to go easy on you. I, by the way, we are never playing Geek the Stump again. Because <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> it is. It is. It is not good. You're, you're very disappointing. <laughs> you're honest. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, no problem. Okay. Question number five. So this is the last question before the bonus question. For seventy-four, excuse me, for seventy-four thousand six hundred and fifty-six points, it is yet another two-part question. Can't wait. <laughs> With only the television shows as references, name the first Klingon we ever saw in Star Trek from a linear point of view and from a TV show point of view. So. From a TV show point of view, I'll take that first. That's core. That is correct. From a linear universe point of view, it's going to be the guy that crashes in the cornfield in Broken Bow, in the the pilot for Enterprise, whose name I don't know. It is unfortunate that the question said name the first Klingon. You got everything right. I named him. He's Klingon guy in the cornfield. (laughs) Because at that point, they didn't know his name either. I think I have a defense here. That's like saying that the Mirror Universe Spock was a separate Spock, which you gave me hell for once. Memory Alpha said that, not me. I don't care what Memory Alpha said. That's what you said. Who did you rely on for your answers for this, by the way? (laughs) My knowledge. And Memory Alpha. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no. I used a couple of other sites. I don't recall what they were, but I did go to to Memory Alpha. Yeah. You know what? Um, Just to show you that, I A, I like you. And B, I don't want you to do anything bad to me when we're in Vegas. Yeah, that's I that really give, should be your overriding concern here. I will give you full credit, even though you didn't get Clang as the Klingon from the Enterprise episode Broken Bow. You know, played ha- by the tiny Tommy Lister Jr. You know, I had that name in my head, and I didn't know if it was Clang or Clag, or and I know that those names occur at various points in Star Trek, yeah. and I yeah. just didn't know. So, all right, Clang, Clang. Well, we are up to the bonus question, Bill. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can either play to win or you can just say, nope, not even going to bother ahead of time. How many points do I have right now? I got to do the math. So All right, never mind. I'll get then my let's calculator just, up. No, let's throw caution to the wind and let's just do it because I'm not going to get that either. And you get a somewhat moral empiric victory out of all of this. So <laughs> uh, go right. ahead. Let's make me look as bad as possible. Well, right now you have 76,579 points, which is pretty good. So you can add an additional 80,000 
615 points to your total today if you are able to get this bonus question. Yes, I am referencing 8615 with those points, which is the day that we will be arriving in Las Vegas for some fun and frivolity at Star Trek Con. That is correct. That is. Okay, so Far Beyond the Stars is considered one of the best Deep Space Nine episodes for a variety of reasons. One reason is because members of the cast are able to play different roles without the makeup that we normally would see on them. So, of all of those roles, there are nine actors that normally would have makeup that do not have makeup in this episode other than, you know, regular makeup. You know what I mean, alien makeup. Give me five of the nine members of the DS9 cast, either regular or guest stars, who appeared in this episode without their normal alien makeup, and also name the character they play in that episode. The second part is not happening. <laughs> this is worse than any bonus I've given you for Stump the Geek, by the way. Since this is the only time in recorded history that we're going to do this, I am going all out, man. Well, you're not getting any character names. Let me dispel that myth right now, because I don't know. <laughs> However, for actors, there's uh, there's Mark Alimo, there's Jeff Combs, there's Casey Biggs, there's Rene Aubergenois, and there's Nana Visitor. There's your five. Okay. I will actually give you credit because I neglected Casey Biggs in my list. And you are absolutely correct. He was he was one of them, and I neglected that on my list. So there were actually ten. So congratulations. Thank you, thank you. I will go through the list right now, and then I'll decide what I'm going to give you for points because I haven't really decided yet. Quark, Armin Shimmerman, played Herb Rossif. J.G. Hertzler played Roy Rittenhouse, the artist. Michael Dorn played the baseball player Willie Hawkins. Terry Farrell played the secretary Darlene Kursky. Nana Visitor played Casey Hunter, which I did not realize until reading at Memory Alpha that her character and um, Dr. Bashir's character in Far Beyond the Stars were actually married. I did not know that. I thought that was kind of an interesting bit of trivia. I don't think I realized that either. Yeah. Um, so she played Casey Hunter. Renee Aubergine. Oh, I, cannot, oh, I always have a hard time pronouncing his name when I do it right off the cuff. That's why Aubergine you let Walker. me do it. <laughs> played Douglas Pabst, maybe the future creator of Pabst Beer. We don't really know. Uh, Mark Alimo played Burt Ryan, one of the cops. And Jeffrey Combs played Kevin Mulcahy, the other one, uh, who beat up uh, Cisco's character. And Aaron Eisenberg played an unnamed newsboy uh, in Far Beyond the Stars. So and Casey Beggs, as you mentioned. So congratulations on on getting the one that I forgot. Um, I'll give you seven points for that whole answer. That was very very good. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> I'm just I give kidding. you double or nothing. I'm just kidding. I will give you. No, actually, I was going to give you more points than double or nothing. I was going to give you eighty thousand, and you only had seventy six thousand. So I'm actually, I actually was giving you more. Does of, that make sense? Of course you were. Okay, so what I'm going to do because because I love you. Instead of giving you 80,615 points, I will double what you originally had. I need to uh, I need to fess up to something. You you're cheating, aren't you? No, I actually just looked up the answer on Memory Alpha. Casey Biggs is not in that episode according to Memory Alpha. Is he in one of, is he in another one where he flashes back as Benny? He is. He flashes back in another episode yeah. as Benny and that's yeah. when Casey Biggs is on it. So okay, so you get 0 <laughs> point for that. <laughs> but I should get 80000 for honesty. I'll no. give you okay. the 76579 <laughs> So, Bill, I am much nicer than you are when we play uh, trivia on Trek Geeks. You end the day with 153,158 points for technically getting no questions correct. That's great. As I wrote them. <laughs> you know, I, sh I have a career in government ahead. <laughs> Congratulations for the first the final and only Geek the Stump Trivia Contest. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Let's, let, let's put this episode out of its misery. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure that there are going to be all kinds of comments coming for today's episode. And, um, Bill, why don't you tell uh, our, our listeners how they can get in touch with us? 
But of course, um, if you're online with social media, our handle on Facebook, Twitter, and Skype is TrekGeeks. Pretty easy. You can always send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do so by calling us at 508-784-1701. If you want to reach out to Dan on Twitter, his Twitter handle is at DCDDS9. And mine is at TrekGeekBill. And please remember, any comments or messages you have for us might be used in a future episode. Back to you, Dan. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. And they will be used. And I can only guess as to what these type of comments are going to be for today's episode. As the executive producer, I can tell you that any comments on Geek the Stump (laughs) are not going to make air. (laughs) Okay. I like that. Uh, One other thing we need to do is is send out our thanks to, of course, Five Year Mission uh, for all their awesome music that they allow us to play uh, on the podcast. All the music that you hear um, at the beginning of the show and at the end is all done by them. Great, great job they do. Uh, Spock's Brain is now available for people to uh, to get online uh, and order. Uh, they also have the Trouble with Tribbles album and Years 1, 2, and 3, and they are working on yet another album, and uh, we look forward to seeing that when it comes out. Uh, folks, we want to thank you for joining. We do want to remind you that um, next week we will not have a full episode, but we will be doing short shows from Vegas. Vegas! Vegas, awesome. baby, Vegas. It is going to be awesome. Um, we're looking forward to it. Um, one of the things I wanted to do um, was as Vegas is coming out, uh, coming up very quickly, I wanted to uh, send out some special props to some of the our, our biggest commenters and uh, most frequent listeners that we're actually going to be meeting out in Vegas next week. We're looking forward to it. People like Heather, Karen, and Haley, uh, they all have been saying that they're uh, excited to, uh, to meet us face-to-face out in Vegas and uh, wanted to say we're looking forward to meeting them. I did want to point out special props to probably our top listener and commenter, and that's Leah. Uh, as you may remember, she actually won a T-shirt uh, during the contest uh, a few months ago. She is not going to be able to go out to Vegas, so I told her I'd give her a special uh, a special hello on the podcast to say that uh, we will miss her out there and hope that she makes it to Star Trek 50 next year. What do you think of that, Bill? Okay. <laughs> well... Everyone, thanks for listening. This has been episode 24, the Mirror Universe Geek the Stump episode. And uh, I appreciate Bill's uh, patience and um, ne'er-do-well attitude as we went through this whole uh, uh, quandary and strangeness uh, today. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you all out in Vegas, and we will see you next time. Live long and prosper. Hey, uh, hey, Jerk. Yes, sir. Coconut! Ready to start this? I guess I don't really have a uh, choice. A chit? You don't have a chit? Oh, wow. See? Oh, so you're going to be me and screwing up all the dialogue all the time now, right? Because you've managed to kill just around everyone else here, you know, right? Yeah. You suck at this so bad, Abby's barking at you. You can't hear her. (laughs) I can't hear her. She's doing good. She's doing a low woof. Oh, okay. Like She must hear my... Tell that jerk to shut up. Yeah, exactly. Well, the fan's on in here, too, because of her. So. Oh, okay. I can't hear that. <clears throat> really? That's Sounds good. Great. I don't hear it at all. I It it does chart on my voice meter. So does it? Okay. I, but I used it in the last one, too, and you would know because I did noise removal compensation. Gotcha. Wow. Do you have any other type of compensation that you use on a regular basis? Only the kind I used to put up with you. Daddy's a little helper. Alcohol, <laughs> dude. If dude, if you need to crack a window, crack. A, I mean, don't sweat to death. No, I'm fine. I'm okay. Why do I look like I am? You look like you're about to die. No, I'm fine. I feel fine. Am I glistening? You look like you're about to drop dead. No, I'm. I'm actually. Maybe uh, that's just oh, your face. It is. Okay. Wow. First, first face comment of the day. Boom! Boom shakalaka. Sick burn, as you would say. Sick burn, dude. Sick burn.
All right. Do you need some solar cane for that burn, yo? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, on that note, special shout outs to a few people. Who, who are you referring to? I, you will find that out when we discuss it, sir. Wow. Yeah. I guess I'm not the executive producer this week. Not this week. This week, you're just the man on the board putting the sh together and doing what I say. Beep. <laughs> Um, all right. <clears throat> For similitude, chicanery, Shapoopies. ostentatious, Bill. Okay. It is. You've been waiting for 24 episodes yeah. to do that, haven't you? <laughs> I promise I won't do it again. That's okay. <laughs> it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It is the Trek Geeks Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to episode 24. I am your co-host, Dan Davidson, and I guess you could say that this is the Mirror Universe edition of the show. That's right. In preparation for Star Trek Las Vegas, things have been turned completely on its ear here at the Geek Tree. <laughs> Let's start over again. <laughs> now, it sounds like nothing has been turned on its ear, I assure you. <laughs> All right. You know why I screwed that up? No, because you can't I, read. <laughs> I can read because I typed it wrong. I typed <laughs> Geek Treaks. <laughs> Wait, you, ha you had a typo? I, th this what is so amazing. Dick. It's a revelation. <laughs> I should play the lottery today. This never happens. <laughs> wow, I hate your guts. <laughs> uh, all right, let's try this again. 